All right, we're back. Week two, run for your money. Kent Brown, Matt Gother, gambling podcast, boys. How we doing today? Dude, I can't hear you. The money's in the way. <laughs> we, we were on fire this week. This was good. Was yeah, amazing. and then I'm, I'm watching the games of you and our buddy Solly, and we were just high fiving at over under bets and just really pumped up. And it was funny, Matt. You weren't there. I'm sure you'll be joining us in some other Saturdays. But the one thing happened in the Oklahoma FAU game that was great. We all have the over. We're all in on oh, it. And paint this, too, because we had two TVs next to each other, Ole Miss, Texas Tech, and FAU Oklahoma. Yes. Just overs and both. Yes. So and anytime so, points were scored, we're whoa. going nuts. So Oklahoma <laughs> scores a touchdown, and we see a flag, and we're like, oh, no. They're going to move them back 15. Nope. Oklahoma gets the score. It's a post-play celebration 15-yard penalty. And we all said, that's the greatest penalty Nothing ever better. when you have an over because you get the points, and then the other team gets the ball. 15 yards better than what they would have had. That's the ultimate penalty if you bet an over. And we saw it last week. FAU didn't show up, but fortunately Oklahoma showed up. And they could have scored maybe 80 or 90 if they kept their starters in. I want as many taunting penalties. I'm pro-celebration. I'm at whatever. Ooh, be careful perfect. what you wish for. That might come back and get you later on. <laughs> so the one thing that we can always talk about, and I wanted to bring this up. So we're going to miss games a few, whether it's... In Kent's case, swinging for the fences with Troy. Uh, you know, it, it happens. I mean, we get it. We, it was a long shot for, pick. We asked for a long shot pick. Not trusting yourself enough. I didn't go take my own advice on Maryland. I always said first half, but maybe full game money line was the play there. But the big thing is, and, and I'll turn to you with this, Matt, it doesn't really matter because up is up. You're always going to be questioning yourself on, well, I could have done this. I would have been right here. But you're going to be wrong, too. So just my, my moral of the story is just accept the win and don't cry over spilled milk and gambling. You know, I think there's three different Matt Gothards out there in the world. There's the Matt Gothard that doesn't have any money. There's the Matt Gothard that owes money. And then there's the Matt Gothard that's up money. And those three people gamble completely differently than the other guys. And when I'm up money, man, I feel like I cannot lose. Like, I got in Virginia Tech, and that was the, probably the easiest game I've won in a long time. Uh, but then, you know, when you're, when you're down money, you're like, I gotta hit this, gotta hit this, and I feel like I always lose. Yeah, and I just found out today that Burt Reynolds passed away, R.I.P. Burt Reynolds, oh, former Florida State football player. I wonder if after he watched Florida State on Monday night, he just told the nurse, pull the plug. It's, 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 it's over. over. That, was, that was one of the worst performances oh. I've ever seen from an offense. Here's a stat line that, that might not zone, get beat. That red zone offense was terrible. Cam Akers, the running back for Florida State in that game, 14 carries for 82 yards with a long run of 85. So if you take away the 85-yarder, he had 13 rushes for negative three yards, and he's probably going to be a future first-round pick in a couple years ago. Florida State looked terrible. They were awful. I loved it, especially when Miami looked terrible on Sunday night. I needed Florida State to look bad, and I don't even like Virginia Tech. But it was funny watching Florida State just look overwhelmed. And I know you texted me earlier that day, Matt, and you said, what do you think? I said, I don't have a great grasp on it, but I would take the points just because I don't feel either team's much better than the other. And then by the end of the first quarter, you're like, I don't think Florida State can score. That red zone, that offense was terrible, and it was – I really didn't know what Taggart was doing. I didn't realize it was the first time in like 30 or 40 years that both Miami and Florida State lost to start the season off. It's crazy. Well, I texted you, you know, I was like, do you have have any advice for this ACC game? You're like, "Uh, maybe Virginia Tech plus seven. And I took that as, I'm going to put money on the first quarter, first half, whole game, points, break, money line. (laughs) 
Oh yeah, you went all I'll in. Take, thank you for the advice. And you won this, all of those bets. Is this the degenerate story like, already? Yeah. Or are we? Oh no, we can get, we'll get to that a little okay. bit later. Which of those three? You mentioned the three Matt Gothards. Which yeah. one? Which one I don't is see most? Two, by the which way, one yeah. is most dangerous? Because I almost feel like when somebody's up, that's when it could become the most dangerous. Because then it could be a free fall. Yeah. Oh you know, money. We'll oh money this. version. You don't really see that person. They're we'll, just the ghosts. We'll, like where are yeah, they? Yeah. Where did he go? We'll get into that a little bit later. But my story it actually includes all three Matt Gothards. So a little little tease. My, yeah, I wonder what order those three appeared in, too. Um, there were some good games as well as some bad games. And is there anything, Matt, better than being wrong about Michigan? Nope. No. I, you know, they, they say you couldn't pay me to be a fan, and I, I'm fine paying money if that means they're going to lose. And that under was nice. It was Notre Dame's defense dominated Michigan. Frankly, Michigan's defense played really well in the second half, but that was one that Notre Dame got up early. They pretty much dared Michigan in the second half. Like, we don't trust you can move the football, so we're going to run it three times, punt, and Michigan could never adjust. And it was great. I loved it. Harbaugh continues to lose big games, and I'm fine with seeing that happen three or four more times this can, year. Can I say, we'll get to Harbaugh in a second, but so the Shea Patterson hype. We tried to debunk it a little bit last week. I didn't realize until after the loss, doing some research and all that, there's a large contingent of Ole Miss fans that are saying pretty reasonably that they're not sure he would have even made been the starter if he would have stayed. I don't think he would have been. Ta'amu last year was better <laughs> against better competition than what Patterson was. The weird thing about the whole Patterson deal is he's not running the system that he prefers. Shea Patterson yeah. is a guy, you watch him, when he's out of the pocket, he can make plays. When he's sitting in the pocket, he's not that tall. He's not a guy who's necessarily going to do your five-step drop the way Harbaugh wants his quarterbacks to do it. It's a weird system for him right now. When McCaffrey came in when he was hurt, he looked to be kind of a better quarterback for that system. And overall, as good as Shea Patterson is, and look, he's really talented, he was up against a really good defense too. Like this week he plays Western Michigan. They're probably going to win like 52-7 to and Harbaugh's going to be <laughs> pumping things up. But when Who's they play, better than us? yeah, well, a eight, lot of people eight right and now. nine in his last seventeen. That's more losses than Meyer, your favorite coach at Ohio State right now, Second and Saban in, his last, Saban in his last six years has eight losses too. So the results just haven't been there. I know that puts a smile on your face, especially after you know Spartans had a little scare on Friday night. Hey man, they won by seven. I'll take it. But you know we're talking about Harbaugh, and I don't think there's anybody out there that loves Week Two more than uh, than Jim Harbaugh. Because I was looking up stats for some other stuff I'm working on. And uh, he's 4-0 in Week 2 games, averages winning by 29 points in each one of those games. The line's 27. You know, you, look, you start looking at that. It's, yeah, he also uh, goes up against the School of the Blind and Sisters of the Poor. Exactly. And, well, that's why Week know, 2 is here, is to make it Make a wish like, and whoever else. <laughs> that's your wish. I wish to be beat by Michigan by 27 points. <laughs> I think I, I'd uh, take that, though. I think I'd take 27. Oh, yeah. If make a wish is played, I'll take the 27. <laughs> No, I'm saying. Patterson just hasn't shown me anything. <laughs> but it, uh, well, we'll see. Miami can't. We got to bring up that game as well. We that don't we, have to. We, <laughs> I kind of want to because that's one I think we were all wrong on. I think that was the only one we were unanimously wrong on. We didn't really feel maybe as confident as some of the other picks. But was this more in your opinion of Miami just not showing up, not really bringing what you thought they were capable of, or LSU being a little better than you thought? Because we. We kind of all got this beat wrong a little bit. LSU winning this one in pretty dramatic beat-down fashion. Kind of all of the above, but I will say I've seen this Miami defense play too well over the last couple years for me to think that 
this is what they'll do again. Offensively, their offensive line is not very good. I do like the skill position players. Malik Rozier, I guess, is how he's being pronounced now. I know my older brother said, I don't care if it's Rozier or Rozier. I'm just calling him loser. <laughs> That's the way he played on Sunday night. He needs but a gimmick change. Overall, I think that Miami's going to look better. This will probably be the worst they look. Credit to LSU. They dominated up front. They were gashing holes in the Miami defensive line. They were dominating Miami's O-line. But I have a feeling Miami's going to right the ship. They're going to win their next four games, barring a big-time letdown. And then you have Florida State in your sixth game. You get to 5-1. and one. I think that this game's forgotten. But I am concerned with the O-line. But I don't think that LSU's as good as they looked Sunday. And I don't think Miami's as bad as they looked Sunday. That night, that's what happened. I think two months from now, Miami will be looked at as a much better team yeah. than where they currently sit. You just got to be really careful in week one to make sure that you don't allow a team coming out slow to influence your you know, vision on them for the entire season. That's why I love week two. Exactly. That's, That's why, why I love week two and three because if they do bounce back, teams aren't bad the entire season. Well, I hope Penn State looks about as bad as they did in week one. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That, that I hope one. continues. I L- want that to continue. LSU's got some beasts up front. Their offense didn't really move the ball that well. Yeah, I, I think this is more Miami just not bringing their A game. Though, it has to be said, they, I do agree, Kent, that they'll be better. I hope. But they've played pretty poor against some of the better teams that are scheduled beefed up last year and into this year. So I well, hope that they, they can bring their, their A level against some top teams. It makes me reinforce that Clemson's just going to roll through this conference. Yeah, I think that's almost a lock at this point. I think Miami plays worse when they're away from home. Last year, they beat a really good Notre Dame team in Miami. They beat a good Virginia Tech team in Miami, but it was on the road when they went up against Clemson in the ACC title game, or even Pitt late November. Wisconsin was technically a neutral site game, even though it was in their home stadium. But yes, I, I look, Miami's not back the way that Clemson or Ohio State or Alabama are. They're not on that level at all. They're trying to get to that level. They're probably still a few years away. I hope they'll get there eventually. But yes, Miami right now, they're a top 20 type of program. They want to consistently be top 10, and they're just not quite there yet. I I do feel like in week one, it should just be a rule that they just switch rankings. In the like in oh, beat down like interesting. that, it's like you know what Miami, your number, your number twenty five now. LSU, you're was it really eight? Yeah, you're it, eight now. I I frankly would have dropped Miami out of the top twenty five if I had a vote. I just didn't like what mm. they did. And look, they'll have time to prove it. LSU moved up to eleven. Miami dropped to twenty two. So it's similar to that. You saw Virginia Tech move way up. Those it's were literally the, the same addition. But the weird one goes: if you think Penn State right now is still a top thirteen team then why isn't App State somewhere in your top 25, though? Because App State, they played toe-to-toe with Penn State throughout that whole game. It wasn't a fluke, And they yeah. had 260 yards of offense in the fourth quarter. That's insane. And they put up 28 points in one quarter. So I'm not saying App State should be ranked right now, but if you're going to put Penn State 13, it's a little hard to justify App State not being somewhere in your top 25. Right. Well, did you see Franklin after the game? He's like, hey, these guys, I just can't believe how good they are. And it's like, that's Appalachian State, man. Yeah. He tweeted about Appalachian State. And so yeah, there's not one kid on that team that he would ever recruit. <laughs> no, no, there isn't. Um, Washington-Auburn, another part of the, the game, the te- only top 10 matchup from last week, Auburn wins. Here's how I felt about this game. I felt like Auburn looked to be a little bit of a more well-rounded team, but I thought Washington had all the chances and probably should have won that game. So, Ken, do you think that it was just inability to score, to get points in the red zone that cost Washington? Was it their own doing? Did Auburn really make life hell for them, or was it just Auburn being a better team? 
Well, I think you have to give credit to Auburn for making the plays defensively, meaning they held Washington to two field goals. One was missed. And then on the botched option play that I don't know why you're having Jake Browning run the option, option, but the Auburn D lineman got through that A-gap, knocked the ball away, made the play and recovered it. You know, it's not like Washington fumbled it with air in front of them. So I think Auburn needs credit. Auburn deserved to win this game. They were the better team. That doesn't mean Washington's not going to have a great season. I think we all saw Washington enough the last couple years and saw what they did defensively in this game. I think they only allowed six points in the last, like, two and a half quarters in Saturday's game. Washington's going to be a force in the Pac-12, but they also need to start winning some of these games. They lost to Penn State in the Fiesta Bowl. They lost to USC two years ago. They lost to Stanford last year. Now they lose to Auburn. That's a lot of good teams you're losing to, and you're not necessarily beating the good teams when you play them. I still expect Washington to win 10 or 11, maybe 12 games, if you include a Pac-12 championship. But Auburn was the better team. They deserved to win Mm -hmm. that game. And on Saturday, they made a few more plays than what Washington did. But I will say, it was a very lucky cover. Because it looked like Auburn was running on third and seven to set up a field goal that would have given them a two-point lead. The line that, that I saw close was two points, Auburn. <laughs> they run it into the end zone on third and seven. One of those great days to be a, be a gambler, I'd say. Or an SEC fan. I mean, it's, I, that's what I really saw when you think of these three games is three really dominant performances by SEC schools uh, against different conferences. I mean, Pac-12, what, just really quick, I don't want to be on this too long, but if Washington's in the SEC, do they make a bowl game? Oh yeah, yeah they do. But it, so part of it too is like what? There's a lot of hypotheticals here. Are they in the east? Or are they in the west? They're in the east. They probably go second toe to toe with Georgia. The west might be a little tougher. Yeah, I I think it, it is worth noting that the Pac-12 isn't as tough obviously as the SEC. But Washington's a good football team. They were there with Auburn. Auburn was in Atlanta. They finally got to win on that field. For yeah, the first I think time in a I while. think they're still one of the best ten to twelve teams in college football. And they might end up being in the playoffs this year anyways. I wouldn't completely discount no, it. No, but it's going to hurt. It's oh, going to yes. be tough. But, yeah, I think that when you look at it, they're not Alabama. They could be second in the West. I know they just lost to Auburn, but I think they could beat anybody. And they could challenge Bama if they played an A game and Bama was off. And I guess that's almost the last thing we should say <laughs> about last weekend is Tua and Bama. I know, Matt, you said just yep. whatever points there are, give them away to Louisville. Jeez. Bama looks really good. The over, the over hit, right? Because Tua yes. just tried. That's exactly what I. What. Poor Jalen Hurts, man. Yeah, I. Like we can all agree, right? Like Saban just doesn't want to go public with Tua. I mean, maybe well, out of respect. He's named it now. But he didn't want to go public, be out of respect to what Jalen had done for the program. But everybody can see it. It's like, just it's over recruiting. Like we're kind of now seeing blatant over recruiting by a school, and it's great, you know. Like and if you're that you school, can, yeah, you can pick whoever you want. But this yeah. is just kind of the downside to it, where you kind of start to look bad in the media. Um, I mean, Jalen Hurts, he could start at almost any other school. I feel like that he would go to, but that would take. Did he lose his second? So he only is he's only is he only going to have one year of eligibility left? Well, wait, no, because it's four year, four games, right? He should stop playing right now. Yeah, if he doesn't play more than four this year. And he, graduates in December. He he'll get, get two. two full years plus a spring wherever he goes. Uh-huh. If he plays more than four games, then he'll only have one year left. Mm. So it's kind of – I'm with Matt here. Now, maybe if Alabama's smart, they don't play him the next six, seven, eight weeks. If Tua gets hurt, he's then your guy again. But if he's not, then you at least save him for your stretch run of playoff slash SEC title game. And if he has to come in then for any situation, he doesn't burn the red shirt. If I'm Jalen Hurts, pretty definitively, I'm saying – until we reach late November, 
either I'm the starter or I'm not playing. I'm right. not going to come in for cleanup minutes and play 12 snaps in a 63-12 to 12 game. There's just no reason to. And there's going to be a lot of 63-12 to 12 games with this team. I do want to bring up one last thing. 0-for-1, Matt, on your against Ohio State bets. You know what? We're back at it week two, baby. Is that how we're going to get into picks this week? We're talking about it. Rutgers coming to town. Let's go. Was it 35? 35, I think. 35 points. Rutgers is terrible. You don't want to buy the hook so you get the you know, five when, touchdowns. When Oregon plus. State drove down and scored that first touchdown, I was dancing. I was in a winery in Temecula watching the show on my phone. Yeah. And, and I saw it happen, and I was like, we're, we have a chance. And then now, you know, I'm a little bit more... A little bit more hesitant. Yeah, I watched that game with Kent, and he had the opposite reaction. He basically said, this means nothing. <laughs> and I it didn't. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't double up on that, because that was something you would double up. I didn't end up taking the full game. I just did the first half, thinking that it would be uh, And I was saying, take Ohio State first half. I think this That's week, what you said. taking them first half. How weird is it, though, that they were favored by 39? They gave up 31 points and still covered. Like, that's how crazy yeah, the over it is. Under that one, if you were told 100. going into that game, Oregon State scores 31 points, you'd bet everything on Oregon State. And yet Ohio State still covers by more than a touchdown. Haskins looks legit. And he set records for debut start and all that stuff. And it looks like a legit. It's funny how Myers is getting maybe his, his best Ohio State quarterback. Saban's getting his best Alabama quarterback in the same year. And Clemson wow. potentially getting Dabo's. That's going to be. Mean, Trevor Lawrence might be, be the best they've had. Yeah, that's. How Dabo handles, everyone's talking about Saban and his QB issues. Clemson's got their, it's a good problem to have, first of all. Oh, I feel very strongly that by the end of the season, not this week, but come their rivalry game against South Carolina in late November, I would be very surprised if Trevor Lawrence is not Clemson's starter. He just brings so much more to the table as a passer, and it's not like they're hurting to run the football. The only thing thing right now that Kelly Bryant does better is probably run the football, and it's not like Clemson can't run it. So Trevor Lawrence is a guy, if you're going to go in and you're going to beat top five, top ten teams or go to the playoff and win a yeah. game. When Bama the puts title, the clamps on. You, you need to have yeah. an elite passer to beat them. Mm-hmm. And that's just not Kelly Bryant. And that could be and most likely is Trevor Lawrence. All right, guys, for this week, we mentioned it. Kent, I don't know if you're feeling week two like we are. It's a weird one. It's I have a weird. few, but not many. But I'm down with weirdness, so I think this will be good. Yes, you are. <laughs> That's another podcast. Yeah, that's you gotta actually pay for that one. The paywall there is a little much. Uh, nine nine a.m. starts. All right, one of my games that might not be the the intriguing matchup for TV that I'm that I'm liking early. I like Houston to cover against Arizona. I don't like Arizona looked awful against BYU last week. Nine a.m. start time. See, I, I like Houston. I, think I like I, Ed Oliver to disrupt them, and I I think a theme this year. And we saw with Chip Kelly, obviously, is Rome isn't built in a day. I think it's going to take time for these new coaches to rebuild these programs. And I like Houston to cover here, minus four. Back-to-back weeks, Arizona plays the Cougars. Last week, they got crushed by BYU. I'll take Arizona here in the upset. I think Khalil Tate bounces back. I think they only had eight designed quarterback runs for him the entire first game. And you just can't do that. He's the best running quarterback in the country. Kevin Sumlin has to trust that he'll make plays with his legs, and he won't get hurt. This week with Houston, yes, they have Ed Oliver, but they don't have a ton else. It's not like this is a Houston team that's probably going to score 40-plus. I think Arizona bounces back. They play much better than they did last week, and I'll take them as an upset pick. Okay. It's like four, four and a half. Yeah, so money line, straight up. I would up. take yeah. money line and take Arizona to win on the road. 
I just feel like for this one, I honestly I haven't watched much of either of these teams yet, so I'm looking forward <laughs> okay. to being invested in it. But I feel like I probably would take Houston just because uh, you know Arizona's got a little bit more name popularity. People kind of in these games will jump on the uh, the household name. So they, Houston. I mean, they had the speed advantage clearly. I don't think we're breaking any news against BYU and couldn't really move the ball in the second half. I think it'll be a fascinating game. How about this one though? Kansas State, Mississippi State. <laughs> are we buying the are we buying the Mississippi State hype? Only they're eight point they're eight point favorites in this game. Now, eight points traveling. Right, I got that right, traveling. Yeah, are they they're good, in Manhattan. Are they, are they good enough to cover eight points against the White Walker, who will be coaching until he's dead. I hope so. I, even after he's dead, why not? Just have him. He could be dead now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Kick off. Well, you know how there's like the you can have like the soundboard and just play. Here's audios. It will just be just a Bill audibles. Snyder. Yeah. It will be a Bill Snyder Halfback play toss. call board, and just so there will be some coach on the sideline that just goes, "Yeah, let's try this one. See if it works." Is it a weekend at Bernie situation, or is it like? Oh, I hope so. Board. Yeah, go all in with it for sure. I think Mississippi State wins this game again. There's not a lot of lines this week. I love. This would be a scary one because it's yeah. Nick Fitzgerald on the road. And Matt and I last year got really into Mississippi State at one point last weeks. year. When they were at home, when they started off, they were awesome. Then they did kind of fall off. I, yeah. But Nick Fitzgerald's trying to prove a point coming off a of suspension. Joe Moorhead's, in my opinion, one of the best offensive coaches in all of college football. If I had to lean towards one or the other, I would give the eight and say Mississippi State does cover on the road. But... They don't have a lot of precedent to say they're the type of program that does this very often. So, who knows? If it's a Kansas State typical game, they probably muddy it, muddy it up and end up barely losing. But I'm going to buy into the Bulldogs, the Cowbells, Hell State. I'll take more ahead in Fitzgerald to win by double figures. Why not? I'm, I'm going to jump on Kansas State's money line. Plus wow. And I'm going to split the difference. K-State points. <laughs> I don't think... I. So you're saying this is our moneymaker. Yeah, no, so we all disagree. I just think Snyder can keep these games close. And, yeah, Mississippi State, until they go a full season, I'm going to have a tough time just trusting them week in, week out, especially, as you said, Matt, away from home. The one thing they have, though, is they have two potential superstar defensive linemen on their team, and there's not a lot of teams that go into Manhattan, Kansas. We watch enough Big 12 to know nobody ever has a good D-line in the Big 12. Jeffrey Simmons will be the best defensive lineman they face all year. Mississippi State does have that. They, they do have those guys up front that I think can give Kansas State some issues. Do we think Oklahoma just rolls UCLA 30 points? The line wasn't even set when it came out. Like, I know you set the initial lines and we couldn't find Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> they, were, they had a math issue. They couldn't figure out how many points to award them. 30 seems like a lot, but that could be the first half line. I don't know. This just seems like one of those bets that, like, you think of the two drunk guys in Vegas that know nothing about football, and the guy's like, "Bro, UCLA's thirty-point dogs. There's no way." And then they put a hundred bucks on them, and then they find out UCLA is actually. And then they're down fifty-six to seven. Yeah. They Oklahoma might be better than they were last year. Like I know That's the Baker, crazy. like it's crazy. Kyler Murray, Baker, Baker wins the Heisman, but skill wise, I mean, they're right there. Well, if the defense is better, then they might actually be a better yeah. team because. Last year, Oklahoma was not good defensively. So if they just happened to be maybe 30 spots better, because last year, my guess is they were somewhere in like the 60s or 70s of total defense. If they're just up in the top 40, that probably is enough to dominate most of their opposition. It also just shows you where UCLA is at. 
They're a 30-point dog, and they're a program that, yes, they don't have the prestige that USC does out here in L.A., but UCLA always brings in top 20 classes. Mm-hmm. They at least have, I mean, the number one high school player in the country two years ago is on that defense in Jalen Phillips, and yet they're 30-point underdogs. I root for a lot of teams that have had down games or down years, Miami, Notre Dame. They're not always at the top. I don't think they've ever been anywhere close to 30-point underdogs in any of their games. Wow. So. It just kind of shows you this is where Oklahoma's at. This is where UCLA's at. There can't be a money line for this. If there is, it would almost be fun to throw $5 on UCLA oh, just because yeah. if they win, you end up winning yeah, like what, $120. Every, yeah. But it's probably just going to be, does UCLA a want to keep in their starters long enough so that, they, that they're not hurt for Pac-12 play? And does Oklahoma want to keep in their starters long enough yeah. so that they're ready to go I, for Big 12 play? If they keep in their starters, they are going to cover. I just also want to point out the biggest detriment to my Kyler Murray Heisman sleeper potential is that he won't even play in these second halves. I noticed that against <laughs> FAU. Like, he's just not going to be on the field that much. He didn't finish the second quarter. I mean... <laughs> That's crazy. Insane. Are you going to, Matt, quickly, are you going to do the uh, Mac parlay, Western Michigan, and then Central Michigan as favorites Ooh. over Kansas? I kind of like that. As fa- Kansas. Like what that. a sad program that is. Oh. I mean. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's true, because you're rooting against Harbaugh. Yep. And then you're just saying Kansas sucks, they'll lose, or they're not going to cover. I think that's actually kind of a, a fun action, parlay. A little action uh, parlay. I could throw Michigan State on there and make it a little Michigan action, Ooh. you know? We'll get to them in a second. I know you got a lot to say about that. We all actually have a lot to say about that game. One of my favorite games, probably my favorite game of the week, is the SEC game, though. I like Georgia-South Carolina this week, and I really, really like South Carolina plus 10 at home. I like that, too. I, I know Kent's kind of looking like, eh, maybe not, but I think they can play them close. We'll see what Georgia has to offer. This is South Carolina's Super Bowl game. Like, this is what they get up for. I just think Will must champ in a big game. <laughs> I've seen him lose a lot of big games as a head fair, coach. Fair point. <laughs> and the talent, I understand that South Carolina, they have good receivers. They have a good quarterback. Their defense is okay. But talent-wise, there's a huge gap between Georgia and South Carolina. Again, I wouldn't be – I'm not going to bet this game this weekend because I don't have a great feel on it. But I also don't think South Carolina is that good of a team. And so for me, I would lean towards saying Georgia probably wins by more than a touchdown, which means they very well might cover. But the other thing is we've already talked about the number one and number two teams trying to work out their quarterback issues. Georgia's still going to play Justin Fields a ton. He's a true freshman. So they have yet to completely solidify how much Fromm's going to play, how much Fields is going to play. And in this game, he's a true freshman making a tough road game. He might come in in the first quarter and have a big pick six or fumble it. There's no telling what a true freshman will do in this situation. So maybe Fields is one of the reasons why South Carolina ends up covering. I don't know. What was the uh, concert that ruined their field because they had to put an entire new field? It was Jay-Z and Beyonce. Oh, okay. I'll blame my loss on them then if it doesn't happen. (laughs) But uh, any more than a touchdown at home, I kind of feel good about. But, you know, it opens. I'm fully prepared for the backdoor cover scenario of, Georgia up 13 with like two minutes left. Ten South points, Carolina drive. 10 points is so much to get at home. I mean, you score, say you score a touchdown on the opening drive, you're up 17 with your crowd going insane. Like, that's that's a totally different. 10, yeah, it started. The line opened. Well, I saw it about 8 or 9. It's pushed up to 10. Georgia's a great team. The quarterback issue is is a thing to monitor. But, yeah, the must champ factor will ultimately be my demise if I lose this. Georgia is potentially trying to work some offensive line issues. Remember, Isaiah Wynn was a first-round pick 
who was an offensive tackle for them that the Patriots was gonna they were gonna start at right tackle this year. They're trying to work through a few of these guys that are young and talented. They brought in, I think, three five-star linemen in this class. One of them is starting. It wouldn't shock me if it does take them a little while to gel. And then the other part of this, too, is if South Carolina can somehow win this game, they wouldn't, for all intents and purposes, have a two-game edge on Georgia in the East Division, which would mean unless there's some three-way tie, they might be your SEC East winner if they can pull this upset, which is also why I think Georgia has the motivation. They can maybe afford to trip up once. I'm not sure South Carolina is the team right. that you want this to happen to. 12.30 start on on our time zone, so 3.30 there. The CBS, SEC, 3.30 Eastern game. Let's go. Uh, speaking of let's go, Matt, the Cyhawk Trophy. Woo! Oh, I'm pumped, too. <laughs> no, Remember, we're, we're both yeah. all in on that. Yeah. yeah. Um, There's going to be a black and gold weekend, man. This game always scares the hell out of me, no matter what I think is going to happen, because... I never know what's going to happen. Nobody this, does. Ferentz is not reliable in this game, one way or the other. Nope, nope. That said, are you riding Iowa, four-point favorite? You know, I have a lot of money already riding on Iowa because, like I said, last week I happened to win the Big Ten West. Just I also keep have it going. over under eight and a half. I love Iowa. I don't know how much more money I want to put on Iowa, especially, like you said, in a game like this. I almost think this is one of those games where you kind of look at the uh, Iowa State plus four, I think. I mean, these games always come down to a last-second field goal, two points at the end. I mean, four points is a lot to be given up in this game, so I'd probably say Iowa State plus four. How much does this concern you that this is Iowa State's first game and they weren't able to get that game in last week? You know, I, I don't think it concerns me too much because of the fact I think Iowa State just suspended four of their players for some kind of off-the-field issues. I'm not quite sure how long that suspension's going on, but I think that they're out for this game. So, um, you know, I... Like you said, you can just never tell with this game, but it's the Super Bowl in Iowa. So This game's in Kinnick, so I'm taking Iowa. I will okay. give the points. I think if this game's up in Ames, it's different. I really think that it would probably lean towards Iowa State just because, again, we know Iowa in these type of games, they almost always play sloppy. It's going to be low scoring, or if it's high scoring, then both teams are doing it. And I think Iowa wins at home. I really The one thing I do feel really good about Iowa this year is – I love the quarterback, Stanley. I love their offensive line. I love their defense. And I love when they're home. If they're going to go on the road in big games, they're not going to win all those. Mm -hmm. But at home this year, you know, they have a bunch of teams coming to Kinnick. I think they win almost every one of those games, which is why I'll take them here. I think it's a three-point push for being at home. They'd probably be a one-point road favorite if this was at Iowa State. Or even a pick. Or a pick. Cyhawk, just a great name for a trophy. Whoever came up with that is just... Did you go to some of these growing up? You know, I don't know if I ever made it to an Iowa State-Iowa game. That's like, it's pretty expensive to go. I know my brothers went a bunch of times. Um, but yeah, it's always the, the town shut down. Let's talk about another game that, that holds a special place in my heart. A rivalry that has been so one-sided, the most one-sided in recent memory. Kentucky-Florida. Florida opens as a 14-point favorite at home. Kentucky hasn't beaten Florida since the 80s. Since Reagan was still in office, that's uh, a long time. I'm not predicting a Kentucky win here, especially after they gave it away last year. But 14 points is a lot. Any chance, I think this might be a reflection of how I think about Florida, but I'm not sold that they're ready to cover two touchdown spreads just yet. Any chance, of course, just because we haven't seen enough out of Florida to know if they're good or average or 14. great or whatever. Yeah. But Felipe Franks has a lot of talent. Dan Mullen is a guy that always seems to get productivity out of any quarterback 
he coaches dating back to when he was with Urban Meyer at Utah and they had Alex Smith and he was making plays. And then at Florida with Tebow, you looked at what he's done at Mississippi State with Dak Prescott and Fitzgerald. He'll get Felipe Franks to turn into, a, a you know, in my opinion, an above average to good quarterback. So 14 points, though. Again, this is not one I'm going to recommend to all our listeners. Don't bet this game unless you really feel good about that. I don't have a great grasp on it. I think the Gators win. Wouldn't really think that they – 14 points does seem like a lot. But also, Kentucky's not that good either. So I get it. I just got to think about how many times can Kentucky actually score. And I feel like if they're only going to score once, then 14 is probably – they're probably going to cover that. So That's I'll, true. I'll probably take Florida minus 14. Yeah. I'm, I'm leaning Kentucky, but – I'm not feeling good about it. <laughs> so that should tell you what I think this game is actually so going to do. So we're going all in is what you're saying. Yeah, from just <laughs> the chips to the table. And it's already basketball season in Kentucky anyways. Always is. Always is. Clemson, 12 points on the road. A&M? Yes. Yes. Yeah, giveaways. This could be. Okay, Give we'll circle 12. that one. Dude, I agree. I, I don't think. Last week, right? Or weren't they kind of slow starting out? They might have been slow, but they won like sixty to seven. Or this is a well. team that gets know, up for big. This is a team that gets up for bigger games in prime time. A and M again. To circle back to my point, Jimbo hasn't fully put his claws into that team yet, and I think Clemson is just gonna dismantle them. The interesting thing about this game is Jimbo understands Clemson. That was his big rival the last several years in the ACC Atlantic Division. And then Mike Elko, the defensive coordinator, he spent one year at Notre Dame last year, but before that he was Wake Forest uh, DC for several years. He went up against Clemson. So both the offensive mind and the defensive mind of Texas A&M have a great history of understanding Clemson. With that said, the one thing A&M probably does better is run the football. And you're not going to run the football well against Clemson, in my opinion. Defensively, Clemson should dominate up front. I think they end up winning this game by about 15 or 16 okay. points. So, again, if you wanted to do a tease where you tease A&M up, I get it. But also, why not tease Clemson down to five and do it that way? I think Clemson wins this game by closer to 20 than by 10. So, give me Clemson. I think the orange and purple Tigers go on the road and beat Jimbo Fisher once again, just like they were doing at Florida State every year. I agree. I think Clemson minus 12 is the move, you know, until we see something else out of Texas A&M. Another game I wanted to get to, we're we're not all agreeing. There's some debates here, but, you know, it's a good back and forth when we have to agree we do. Penn State, night game, looking like a touchdown or more favorite against Pitt. And, Ken, I know how much you are an impartial uh, <laughs> fan in this, so tell me why you feel the way you do on this game. Oh, man. So, yeah, Penn State, oh, I really wish they would have lost last week. That would have been great. It would have been a very good weekend had Penn State fell. Penn State defensively has to answer for what they did week one. They were terrible defensively. Maybe it's just one week, and they step up, and that's just an anomaly. But if that becomes a trend, I think Pitt's offense this year will be better with Kenny Pickett he seemingly is a quarterback that Pitt can trust in. Defensively, this should be the best secondary that Pitt's had in probably Pat Narduzzi's entire time there. Mm -hmm. And Penn State, they need to pass the football. They have Miles Sander, the Pittsburgh native, at running back. He's a big-time player. But that offensive line didn't look to be a whole lot better last week than it was the last couple years. I would take the points in this one. If I'm going to have to pick, I think that Pitt probably does cover. I would lean towards saying Penn State wins the game. But I do think that Pitt can stay close. If this game is within like four or five points with seven or eight minutes left, 
I think Pitt might find a way to actually win it. Ooh. So for Penn State, they need to probably get up, build a lead, and then hope that lead is sustained throughout the second half. If this is a close game throughout, I think that's an advantage Pitt in this game. So money line? I mean, maybe for fun. I, I, I might do it for fun just okay. because it's fun to root against Penn State and it's fun to cheer for Pitt. But I think Penn State does win. They just don't cover. Okay. I'm going Penn State. I think that, and for me at least, I'm very, you know, superstitious. I think two teams going into this next week that have to prove a point after looking bad are Michigan and um, and Penn State. So I look for them to try to run it up. You know, I love Narduzzi. I want him to do well, but um, I'm taking taking the Nittany Lions. Yeah, that's that's where I'm leaning. I don't I don't feel too confident, but I definitely think they win this game. I think they're gonna. The rivalry factor is a point. I do think Pitt's improved. But yeah, this Penn is Pitt's State, Super Bowl. Penn State got embarrassed. There's a lot even of Super Bowls this weekend, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, the one thing Pitt does, though, and we can't discount this, when Pitt plays a team that's really good, they normally beat that team. They'll lose to, like, North Carolina in a few weeks. But they'll – I mean, think about it. Two years ago, they beat Penn State, who almost made the playoff. They beat Clemson, who won the national title. Last year, they go and they beat Miami, who was number two in the country. Pitt is used to playing well against good teams. Where you don't want to bet Pitt is when they're playing a three and four or four and three team in late October. Right now, I think Pitt feels really confident. I expect this to be a close game. I hope you're right. Stanford, USC. Maybe another game that's gonna have some well, probably gonna have some serious implications down the road in the Pac twelve, maybe even in the national picture. The lines jumped from four and a half to about six now is what I'm seeing. It's a lot of points. I'm, I'll lead off with this. I like Stanford. Points kind of scare me, but I think SC is a flawed team early on. I think they're going to need to kind of figure out some things. Didn't look that impressive last week. I'm rolling with Stanford here. One of the least sexy things in betting to me <laughs> is a Pac-12 team that cannot stop the run. And I'm pretty sure last week they gave up. They let uh, UNLV run for over 100 yards. They might be no, running over rebels. 300 over yards. 300 yards. And when you think about that against Stanford, With those big boys up front, it's not good. So I'm gonna go ahead and take uh, take Stanford here. Do, I, I've never believed. Do this. we like then? Okay, I'll let you go, Kim. But do we like the under then? Is that what we're looking at? What is the under? Fifty four and a half. Yes, we do like. <laughs> okay. I can see that actually. I'm that's seeing even fifty six and then. a half on some sites. Well, so. well, well then the that's what we go like, off of then. Yeah, uh, they might score. <laughs> you find the best one. That's how it works. What do you think? USC gonna bounce back here? I think Stanford does win the game. I don't know. I don't have that great of a grasp on how many points each of these teams win by. USC beat them twice last year, but that was with a veteran defense that had Nwosu, who was one of the best edge rushers in the country, Rasheem Green, one of the best defensive linemen in the country, and then Sam Darnold, who went number three overall in the draft. JT Daniels looked very good last week. Amon Ross St. Brown probably already is the best receiver at USC, and he's a true freshman. They hooked up for a touchdown just like they did at Modern Day the last three years. But when you look at Stanford, I agree with Maddie 100% on this, which is if Stanford can run the football in USC, they're just going to keep running it and keep running it. And then you have play action. That will open things up. USC does not have a great secondary, in my opinion. I could see Stanford winning this game. I Again, I wouldn't touch this on a point spread level, but I like what you're saying about the under because USC with a true freshman quarterback, he's probably not going in scoring 30 mm-hmm. points. And for Stanford, David Shaw has shown over the years, he's fine winning a 27-20 to 20 game. He doesn't care that much about – you know, he's not a coach <laughs> no. who thinks he needs 50 to win. If it's 27-17 to 17 late and mm-hmm. he has enough faith in his defense – 
is fine. Hand it off three yeah. times, and you either bust one or you punt. So that's not a bad option. He's fine with you changing the channel of a boring win. That, that's for <laughs> sure. Last game to talk about before we get to our big pick. Late night in the desert, Arizona State, Michigan State. Let's go. Sparty and Sparky. I, <laughs> yeah. Well, if there's one thing to at least hang your head on going into the game, I'd say it's the coaching advantage. Yes, we definitely have a coaching <laughs> advantage. But beyond that, only a, a close win, but a win nonetheless. Late night Pac-12 game. How confident are you and do you think Michigan State going into this late night matchup? will be able to cover six points on the road as favorites. There's a lot of things I'm excited about for this game. One of them being my first game actually getting to watch Michigan State. Last weekend was my wife's birthday, like I said, so I didn't get to watch Sacrifices. It. The sacrifices must be made, I guess. One of the things I'm not excited about is gambling on this game because anytime you take away a touchdown from Michigan State, especially on the road, especially in a different environment, you know, in the desert, um, I, I want them to win. I want them to do really well. I think that uh, there's still a lot of questions, especially after last week with Utah State. That performance was pretty, um, pretty weak. Defensively, but, it was very weak. So hopefully they can. I mean, we they are, have a new D coordinator, and we are Michigan missing State. Josiah Scott, who's out for this month. But we'll get him back eventually. I mean, I, I think that we win. I don't know if we win by six. Um, what do you think, Ken? Fifty-four over under. I want to oh. throw that at you as well. Well, I love the over. And out of and of any bet this week. I love the over in this game. I was not sold on Trestle's defense with Michigan State. He's a first-year coordinator there because Barnett went to join the train wreck down in Tallahassee and be their defensive coordinator. <laughs> Sounds like a bar. But on the other hand, I think that this will be a coming-out party for Lewerke. They have a great set of receivers. They have a good offensive line. Lewerke's a Phoenix-area kid. He's probably one of the best 10 quarterbacks in the country. And then on the other side, you have Nikhil Harry might be the best receiver. Manny Wilkins is very good. I expect this to be a shootout. I think Michigan State ultimately covers. I think this game will get up closer to like 70 when you look at a point total. And I can see Michigan State scoring like 42 or 44 and Arizona State being somewhere in like the high 20s or 30s. So I think Michigan State wins. They win by more than a touchdown and it goes, relatively speaking, way over. I just don't remember as a Michigan State fan the last time we won a shootout. I don't remember the last time that point. we won a forty-nine to thirty-five game. Like we either win them ten to zero, or the other team has thirty and we have fifty. It's a good point. I, I also think Michigan State covers. I look forward to watching her ah. numbers in his first game, first big college game in over forty years, though. You know when you guys do win those type of shootouts, though, is when you play like a Northwestern or Indiana okay, or one yeah. of those teams. Okay, that's like fair. when you play like yep. Indiana or Northwestern, those games are always like thirty-three to thirty. Double overtime. Yeah, a weird yeah. game. So, so yeah. but when you play like a Michigan or Ohio State, it's almost never like that. Yep. Notre Dame, you've beaten in a couple shootouts. That was more like when Weiss was there or Willingham. But it's usually not the marquee matchup. And frankly, that's kind of where Arizona State's at. Even though this is prime time, well, actually much later than prime time on the East Coast, because this game will get over like after 1 a.m. for people out on the East Coast. But for us, it's prime time. Arizona State kind of fits that like Northwestern Indiana type of mold. I mean, even look at my other podcast, The College Football Experience. We had Indiana as our fun as hell team for years because every one of their games is like 44 to 40. And then when Kevin Wilson left to go to Ohio State, we had Arizona State as our fun as hell team for the same reason. They're not good enough to ever be ranked. Or at least they weren't then. But they're good enough to like be in shootouts and have fun while watching it. But I just think Lewerke bounces back here. I feel like he's an underappreciated quarterback. And he's going to want to kind of send a message here that, you know what, we kind of slept walk last week. But if they don't put up at least 35 on Arizona State, I would be very, very surprised. All right. 
gentlemen, moneymaker. We're one for one. So we started out swinging well, but we got to keep this going. And 2-0 and oh sounds real nice. It does sound real nice. Real. One bet that we all like. Let's see it. I know we'll throw out some suggestions, right? The over on this game we just talked about. Other suggestions that you feel very confident on. We could have discussed. We might not have discussed. Did we all agree on Stanford beating USC? It's, yeah, but Kent's not like... Although the under in that game I think we all agreed on. Kent's a little hesitant on the point spread, which I understand. Yeah, just because Stanford's not always a team that the beats people sound like. under in that game, just to show the betting public that we could mix it up and be very versatile. Oh, That's a good point. Betting under is always mad. How, how, how do we feel about Clemson? Because we both like Clemson to cover. What about you? 12 on the... I do. Okay, I mean, that's three. Uh-oh. Those are three I mean, choices is that right the there. Moneymaker? That might Clemson, be our moneymaker. Clemson minus 12. Dude, we're taking the number two team against an A&M team that hasn't beaten anybody of note for like six years. And not to mention, Jimbo hasn't beaten them for years. So it's not even like this is, I don't know, to me, I, I okay. would be completely right. down with this. Are we Lock agreed? Let's do it. Lock it in. Our moneymaker, we're Clemson going Clemson. minus 12, Davo. I will say this about Davo. I had him on a minus 17 bet last year against Florida State. And if you saw the end of that game, Instead of kneeling, <laughs> kneeling against Jimbo Fisher, he just ran the ball three straight times, and they scored to win by 17. I love it. So Dabo loves covering point spreads is the moral of that story against Jimbo Fisher. And so. much like what I said about Bama last week, you're going to have two quarterbacks out there that want to keep scoring and want to keep competing. So if this is a 14-point game with six minutes left and Kelly Bryant's back in after Trevor Lawrence just led them to a okay. touchdown, he's going to want to score because both these guys want to be the starter because if they are, they can be the starting quarterback of a national championship winning team. So just, yeah. So they're going to want to keep scoring. Like they're not going to be satisfied. I think with being up nine with two minutes left. So don't Clemson, (laughs) don't stop Clemson. That was the old teams. They're so much ahead of that now. Just a couple things before we wrap this up. This is another good week of talking. Um, I do want to bring up NFL because we got the first game tonight. We like to dabble outside a little bit. Falcons and Eagles. We can talk about that game, or if you guys would like your favorite over/under of the regular season. You mean like season total? Season totals, totals yes. yes. Mm, let's see. Let's see. Let's I can see. tell you mine already. Raiders under eight. <laughs> yes, that is. Dude, they're not winning eight games with John no, Gruden and without no. Khalil Mack. So the Raiders minus eight, I think, was like minus one forty-five or minus one fifty. They're probably winning six games. It only moved to like, I think it might have moved to like seven, seven and a half. Or even if it's seven and a half, they're they're not getting to eight. So, uh, you know, I did it when it was eight. So even if they get to eight and eight, it's a push. But this is not a Raiders team that has a ton right now. Don't you feel like unders are the safer? I mean, at least I do for the NFL. It's easier for me to look and think that, okay, this team is just not getting to this total than going over. You know, it's so funny that you guys say this. I don't. I haven't looked at all the over/unders for oh. teams, but I do have like a bunch of NFL future bets in, and one of them is the Oakland Raiders to win their division. So we are on a little bit different pages there. <laughs> so, you're on them. You're on their preseason bet last week. Yep, like, dude, what is they're happening? Ra- they even they're getting rid of Cook too. But uh, so I got the Raiders plus three hundred to win the AFC West. Um, I don't know if you want to hear my other ones. Or Go ahead. Yeah, why not so at this point? Really quick. I got the Houston Texans to win that, the AFC South plus 170. Uh, the New York Giants to win the NFC East plus 350. The Carolina Panthers plus 230 to win the NFC South. And the Cincinnati Bengals plus 800 to win the AFC North. The playoff picture is great. Like if, these, if half of these teams make it, it'll yeah, be an exciting playoff. Open. 
I mean, if one of them makes it, I pretty much break even. So Bengals isn't bad, given what's Dude, going on eight, in the Steel City. Plus eight hundred yeah. for that is ridiculous. Yeah, especially because we don't know when Le'Veon Bell if he is coming back. Without Chazier, the defense yeah. was not very good. The Steelers, I still feel like they'll win the division, but they might only win ten games. Like it's not like they're guaranteed yeah. to win, or even nine games. I don't think that they're guaranteed to win twelve or thirteen like they normally do. We don't know when Bell's coming back, how many O-linemen he has to fight when he gets back. Like it's just gonna be. And we know the pouncies. Something tells me those guys like to throw down. <laughs> Something, yeah, yeah. Statistical data tells you they like to throw down. I like under Seattle eight wins. Oh yeah, not like a that good too. football team. And I think if you're in a survivor pool this week. There's some games that are interesting. If you're in a true one where you can't pick the same team twice, you want to save some of the good teams. Seattle's got to go to Denver, so that's not an easy one to start out. All right, this was fun. Lastly, we like to tell a degenerate story, Matt. You said you got a good one, so let's hear it. It's turning into your own segment. Yeah, I know. It's, it's going to kill my future employment when, when job people you know, look at this. But anyway. Well, sports betting's legal now. It's only going to become less and less. That's true. Yeah, I mean, at this point, everyone's all in on it. Yeah, and they totally won't judge me when they hear this. So, pretty much Monday, Virginia Tech versus Miami. Hit up Kent over here. He gave me a stay away from it, but if I had to pick, you know, maybe the seven. And I took that as I'm going to put money on the first quarter, the first half the full game and money line mm-hmm. and um so that was that we talked about those three matt gothards and that was the matt gothard that wasn't up or down yet and he was just like putting a bunch of stuff out there hoping it works i ended up hitting every one of those bets getting up a thousand dollars and i was thinking <laughs> this is amazing i'm invincible and so it's <laughs> always a good thought for that. the rest of what i started doing and i might have been a few drinks in Started putting fifty dollars down on uh, digital blackjack through the same book. Who We're knew I was up sports. a thousand? And so you don't even know if you're playing against robots or any I, real people. I, I texted my brother and I was like, I just I cannot believe this happened. Lost, you know, I played for twenty minutes, lost the grand. And I texted my brother, I was like, I just lost a thousand dollars playing blackjack. And he goes, Dude, I had that happen to me last week. <laughs> He's like, I can't believe we're even playing. I know it's rigged. So oh my god. Anyway, sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. Wow. Sometimes so you're all of it. Leaving the sports world is always bad advice. Bad things. In Ve- we were, I was in Vegas for March Madness, you know, up, down, whatever. Go to the blackjack table for 15 minutes. You're out way faster. Oh, yeah. We're just running 21. Just, you know, see you later. Yep. Wow. So right. that's uh, that's my degenerate story for this week. Hopefully next week has yeah. a happier ending. Hopefully it does. We got some picks locked in. And congrats, Matt and guys, on the uh, gold rush as Thanks, well. Thanks, man. Thanks. Live yeah. as well, some good stuff. Sports, we're coming. Sports betting is uh, is coming. We're Slowly just, but surely, man. Yeah, we got the, the gold rush on Yahoo Sports. You got the money, Mitch effect. I have college football experience, yeah. gridiron wake up call. We're all doing. We're ta- we talk sports a lot. Yeah, we, we love it. And so this is just one hour of the whole week that we talk this sports. Just us but, hanging out. Yes, and yeah. it really is. And Mitch and I were watching games for what about six, seven hours last yeah. week together, and. There was a lot of fun stuff going on. But when you bet those early morning overs and they start hitting, like that Texas Tech Ole Miss one, there was, I think, two touchdowns in the first, like, two and a half minutes. One in, like, the first 20 seconds. Just we're just like, dude, this, this is going to be a fun day. And that's where it's a lot of fun is when you can set that up that when way. When the points happen, the buzz starts hitting in from a few drinks. Yeah, it's good. I'm hoping to have nicer equipment as the show goes along sure, with more sure. wins. So. Yeah, you guys will see that we just can we'll soon have a video pot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll be doing this on location. It'll be great. All right. Ken Brown, Matt Gothard. This is week two of Run For Your Money. Thanks for coming on. Good luck, everybody.